There's no other name. That name was held special by God and given to Jesus on purpose to give to us so that we could use that name. Okay. What can a spirit of a believer do today? The dumbing down of the church. The church has been dumbed down, and we know this. By, by you can, uh, we talked. My wife and I talked earlier about things that were available to available to us when we were children. You know, hey, when I was a child, uh, you played with rocks and pieces of pieces of wood, all angle wood, and you were excited about it. We had no internet. We had no. Uh, iPads. We had no computers. We had none of these things. And I'm not knocking these things today. It's wonderful and great. But um, along with it comes a dumbing down. And it's going to increase. It's not going to decrease. The uh, information age is going to triple and quadruple and quadruple and quadruple. And pretty soon there... And, and I'm not knocking it, but... Uh, there are people who are staying up nights to uh, come up with brand new ideas for new inventions of things that will make life better. And true, they will. But they can be, they can be uh, used to the extreme and become a weakness. You're listening to me. Okay, the church has been dumbed down, and so the question here is, what can a spirit of a believer do today? What does your spirit do? Do you have any idea what your spirit does? See, I think we've been we've misunderstood some things because we're three parts. We're made that way. We are a spirit. Now, I read in the past week or so that there are those who believe that you don't even have a spirit till you're redeemed. Ah, no. Everybody has a Everybody is a spirit. You're a dead spirit or a live spirit, but you still are a spirit. Uh, there was a big, you know, there was a uh, catastrophe and a disaster that happened in the garden when Adam decided on his own to disobey God. Eve got tricked, but the scripture said Adam wasn't tricked. So they disobeyed God. And at the disobedience, at the point of disobedience, God had already warned and said, you do this and you're going to die. And he wasn't talking about physical death. He was talking about spiritual death, which is a separation from God. And it happened. Okay, so we won't go through all of this, but here's what happens. The spirit is either alive to God or dead to God. And there's a lot of people today who have voices whose spirit are dead to God. And people listen to them more than they listen to the people whose spirit is alive to God. So my question, and I wrote this to to show that in this man's sermon that he was talking about uh, for us to do all these things with our spirit, it's impossible. Okay. So a lot of the times 
when we were being taught um, putting things into our spirits, a lot of this was actually getting our souls to line up with our spirits. See, that's the whole idea, the three parts. You got the physical body and you got the soul. And a lot of the, you know, as I've said before, but a lot of the soul has been, um, hadn't paid enough attention to it. We put a lot of emphasis on the body and a lot of emphasis on uh, on the spirit and not enough emphasis on our souls. Well, if you listen to the makeup of the soul, you would be surprised at your emotions. Okay, everybody has emotions. That's part of your soul, not your spirit. It's your mind. Everybody has a mind. That's not your spirit. That's your mind. And the idea here is to get the spirit to get the mind in uh, conjunction with your spirit, what you believe. A lot of people get confused in their believing because of uh, soulish side, not the spirit side, the soul side. And that's the training side. That's the side you train. You don't train your spirit. How are you going to train your spirit? What are you going to train it to do? Your spirit already believes. Remember in Romans what it says, if you will, what, confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart? It believes. Your heart believes. Your spirit believes. It's your soul you got to work on. Your soul starts demanding things. What does it demand? Your soul demands uh, evidence. It, because it believes easier. The soul believes easier with evidence. And so it starts wanting the evidence. And once you get involved in the evidence produced, produced believing, now you're not in faith any longer. You've, out, you've stepped outside of You were in faith, but now you've stepped out because your soul is demanding things that uh, you have to train your soul not to demand. You have to train yourself to accept God's word on face value without any evidence. Okay? Now, to do that, you have to step over and start finding out who God is. How powerful is God? And I, we've said this lots of times. Uh, one of the ways to uh, astound, astonish yourself is to recognize just one little thing, that God created all the stars... All of them. You go out on a bright, you go out on a bright, especially this time of the year. You go out and you see all these stars in the sky in the after, in the, at the nighttime, and recognize right away God created every one of them. I don't care what NASA says. NASA is not in the running. Okay, they're trying to figure out things that they they'll, they'll never figure out. But God created all the stars. To the degree, to this degree, that he knows every one of them by name. Huh? I mean, we got trouble naming 50 people. 
knowing at least 50 people by name or 100 people by name. How many stars do you think there are? God knows every one of them by name. He named them. So when you say to yourself, my God is an awesome God, when you're going to build faith in your life, you're going to build a belief system in your life, it's who are you going to believe? You're going to believe God? Are you going to believe NASA? Are you going to believe the antis? You've got to believe somebody. And there's always something pulling at you to get you to believe it. Nature's pulling at you. Nature's a wonderful thing, but it does a substitute for God. A lot of people want to use nature as a substitute for God. There is no substitute for God. Amen. The church ought to be ashamed of itself. The body of Christ, believers ought to be ashamed of themselves, trying to establish something as a substitute for God because they're either ashamed of God or they're ignorant of God, one of the two. Most people are ashamed of God. But see, the only reason that you could do this is you, you do not understand the finality of this whole thing. You don't understand there's going to come a time in your life that's final. You're going to meet the one and only true God. The preparation is now to meet him. Not while you're going up the stairs. You ought to be prepared now to meet God. Okay? So listen. Ephesians 1.13 In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Can't be any plainer. And it's no doubt and it's not up for discussion. God doesn't care what you think about it. So you can stand up all you want to and say, that's not true, that's not true. It doesn't make any difference to God because he's already said it. If you are a believer, at the moment of your believing, at the moment of redemption, you were sealed. Ephesians 4.30. And then he tells us, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. 2 Corinthians 1, uh, first chapter, 22nd verse. Who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Where? Not in our souls, in our hearts. So our spirits are sealed by God until the day of redemption. So what can we do with our spirits now other than pray in the Holy Ghost? What can you do with your spirit? You've got to be very careful what your answer is. One thing that we've been given Paul writes to us and tells us, when you pray in the Spirit, your spirit prays. Your mind is unfruitful. In other words, your mind doesn't produce anything. Can't even accept it unless you make it. You have to make your mind accept praying in the Spirit. Remember, we're created in three parts, spirit, soul, and body. 
A lot of what we're taught is involving our spirits. We're actually the renewing of our minds, our souls agreeing with the Word of God. Galatians 3.27 For as many of you have been baptized unto Christ, have put on Christ. Romans 6.3 Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. The power in that name given us gives us the ability to cast out devils. Spirits are upon the earth today. The eternal purpose of God the Father is to bless men, mankind. And that is done through the name of Jesus. God's eternal purpose is to bless man. Ephesians 6.12 For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness uh, of this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. Today on the earth, God's power is released by the body of Christ through the use of that name, Jesus Christ, God's Son. This is the same power and ability that Jesus used when he was upon the earth to heal, to bless, and has been given to the real church, the body of Christ. Use his name today. In the name of Jesus, when we make a deposit in our physical bank account, when we have great, then we have great confidence in our ability to write a check on that account without any, uh, without any hesitation. Just boldly write the check. Well, in Jesus' name, the deposit on our account has already been made. So without, so with great boldness, let us use that name to bless people, to heal people, to deliver people, and to produce miracles in that name. That's our responsibility. Let's be about the Father's business. As believers, last week we taught on and ministered on the name of Jesus and having respect for that name. And do not use familiar, familiarity brings uh, contempt. We're not we're not so flippant and so familiar with that name that we're not recognizing what that name really means how that name was achieved by the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other name. That name was held special by God and given to Jesus on purpose to give to us so that we could use that name. And it's supposed to bring fear in the lives of unbelievers. That name is supposed to bring a recognition in the world of darkness. It's the only light that there is. That's why we, it's not our ability that's shining. It's God's ability in us is the light. Okay? We're just the vessels. We're the chosen ones to deliver his name to lost and hurt people. So if you're going to minister to somebody, always recognize that your ministry is not valid if it isn't done in Jesus' name. Because what happens, people try to hide the name and make the ministry uh, theirs. 
They're doing it. I'm going to bless you. You don't have any ability to bless anybody without that name. You don't have any... You don't have God's approval to do anything without the name anyway. But with the name, you have God's approval to do all these things. Amen. And you don't have to look behind you to see what's going to happen because when, when you put your money into your account physically at the bank, you don't have to have somebody come around and check behind you to see if you write a check because you know the money's there. Well, God has already told you the name of Jesus has already been supplied with the ability. There's no lack of ability in his name. There's no lack of power in his name. All that's lacking is our using it.